Something that you may not know about me is that I oftentimes just in my life find myself living in a place of deep concern for God's people. And, and you may look at me and say, well, PD, lighten up. Don't worry about tomorrow and all of these things. But you may not understand what I'm saying because I'm really talking about something that I see the Apostle Paul facing himself. We read in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 28, and apart from other things, there is a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to fall and I'm not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. And so I myself find myself so often faced with things before me. The Father has made me to be his servant, called me to to prepare the bride of Christ for his return. But what I face as someone who prepares the way is issues that really keep me up at night. And today I want to talk about some of those with you, the really the things that cause me to lose sleep. The first one is that you can be mikvahed 500 times and yet have never been baptized. You could have gone into a baptism as many times as you want. Every time there is a baptism service, yet you've only ever taken a bath and you've never actually truly been baptized. Because what we have seen happen is that a lie has been sold to us that you get in the pool, you take a bath, you come out of it, and now you are a part of the church and you continue to live the life you've always lived. But when we look at the Bible, that is not what baptism is. That's what it means to take a bath. That's what it means to make yourself clean on the outside. But what baptism is supposed to be, it is it is supposed to be a cleansing from the inside out that is real, supernatural, spiritual and actually has fruit as evidence of that change in you. So oftentimes we have tried to say, well, baptism is not about salvation, right? And all these things. And we have really taken the power out of it in the process, saying it is just symbolic. It's just this this little thing you do, you know, if you really want to uh, to to tell everyone you're a part of the church, where is that in the Bible? Where is that in what Paul or Peter said when they talked about baptism? They talked about baptism and they explained baptism to be a thing you do in fear and trembling and you're coming with a heart of repentance. And it says that the one who is truly baptized is no longer enslaved to sin. He says the one who is baptized is crucified with Christ. In other words, you are literally he's that's not just symbolic. People are like, oh, that's symbolic. No, it's not symbolic. Like when you get into the water, you are dying. You are coming out as a resurrected, new born again person. And that's not symbolic either. There is something real that happens to you physically when you go into baptism that causes a person to come out of the water change forever. But we don't preach this. We preach that you join the church, you join a club, that you you join the family of believers. And yeah, that's beautiful. Cool. You can join the family of believers, but that's not what baptism was given for. It was given to change you. It was given to transform you. And so people go into baptism, never repenting of their sins, 
They go into baptism not understanding that they are now dying with Christ and there is an expectation to live a committed, resurrected life thereafter. And because I just take it lightly, it means nothing because baptism is that of faith. So when you don't go into baptism with faith in what you are doing and what Christ has done for you, then it doesn't mean anything. And my fear is that there are people, and I've seen this at at our conferences and when we preach and when we preach repentance, I have people who are 70 years old come to me. Oftentimes, this happens almost every single time I preach. There's someone who comes up to me, someone who is older. God bless them. And they say, Petey, I have never heard baptism preached in that way. I've never understood it to be the way that the Bible actually says it is. Can I get baptized? I've been baptized before, but I didn't truly repent. I got baptized before, but nothing really changed because I didn't know what I was doing. That keeps me up at night. Because we as the teachers, the leaders, the the spiritual leaderships of the body have failed our role in explaining to people what baptism is. If you don't know what this is, then don't come and do this because I don't want you to live a life of thinking you got baptized, but we both know that you never repented. You didn't take this as seriously as God calls you to. So if someone comes to get baptized, we have to ensure they understand what they're getting into. The next thing I want to talk about is the the majoring on minor theological differences. What ends up happening when we become passionate about our faith or theology, as wonderful as that is, there is this danger wherein we fall in which which we we consider that the entire world revolves around this certain theologies, the certain doctrine, the certain commandment of God, or whatever it is that you are passionate about. And suddenly We make it more important in our hearts than what it is truly. And what I mean by that is we prop it up as a determiner of salvation. We prop it up as worthy of breaking fellowship over. We prop it up as something that is worth making enemies over. It becomes our hill to die on. You know, and this is something that I think Many people don't understand is there were many things that Jesus, that Yeshua the Messiah was super passionate about, but there were also many hills that he did not die on, many hills that we like to die on that he didn't. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't consider those things important. It's not that, but did he break fellowship over the things that you break fellowship over? Now, another thing I want to talk about is the neglect of the poor, and this goes hand in hand with what I just said. I want to remind you of something that Paul wrote in Galatians 2 verse 9. He talks about how he was coming into ministry, and he says, When James and Peter and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and that they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. How crazy is it that as they're deciding who's going to what people group, they're saying, but as long as one thing is remembered and one thing is followed, that the poor is not to be forgotten, that the poor is to not be neglected. So no matter what people group you're sent to, no matter what your ministry is, no matter what, 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 At the end of the day, if you have forgotten the poor, you have failed. And this keeps me up at night. The fact that there are so many poor people in this world 
who, who who believers have failed because the believers in that community that is supposed to be looking after the poor is not looking after the poor and the poor have no have no ability to hear the gospel, no ability to come to Yeshua. And many people, no, not all people, but some people are poor because they really don't understand who they are in Christ. And if they understood their value in Christ and who they are in Christ, they would be able to escape their poverty mindset because they could then see themselves for who they are and the way that God has made them to be. And they will not settle for living in that place anymore. But how many people are living in darkness such as that? And it's because truly they have been forgotten and they have been neglected. Go and find a poor man in your town. They are waiting for you. In fact, Yeshua said, what you do to the least of these, you do unto me. And if that is true, what if Yeshua is sitting on one of those street corners in your city? Literally right now, he's sitting there and he is waiting for you to come to him, because what you do to the least of these, you do to him. And then one day he will face us all and he will say, you did not feed me. You did not clothe me. You forgot me. You ignored me. You had your your great theological debates. You kept your lavish feasts. You knew about all the wonderful things that my father in heaven has shown you. But you knew not this one thing to look after the poor around you. That keeps me up. Another thing that keeps me up is the fear of the world that has gripped the hearts of believers. We saw it uh, just a few years ago with the virus that was going around and how fear gripped believers. The very fact of how many people simply moved from fear, no matter what side of the fence you're on about what you believe regarding this or that. People were gripped with fear on all sides. If your trust is not in the Lord and in him above all else, then you will be gripped with fear as this world grows darker and darker. And you won't be able to think clearly nor discern clearly because you will make decisions from fear. Another thing that keeps me up at night is the sexual immorality pandemic. Never mind that pandemic of the past. There is a pandemic that has been and is today. The pandemic where people are enslaved to their what they see on their phones, on their screens, on their televisions. And young men and women as well, just absolutely enslaved to pornography. And not just pornography, even things that aren't as explicit we, we have really lowered our standards of what we allow into our gates, our eyes. And because of that, we have allowed things in that we make excuses for. And we say tomorrow I'll repent, tomorrow I'll stop, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And for many of us, tomorrow will be too late. The time and the day is now to repent, to understand that God has called us in this new covenant to walk like Yeshua at a higher standard and to not settle for the distractions of the devil to put take us away from the presence of the father, but to resist the devil and he will flee. But that means that you need to you need to flee 
from sexual immorality. You need to flee from that which causes you to stumble, that that beginning stumbling block. That what is the trigger? What is that thing? From from many of like to be honest with you, like many of you should delete Instagram. Many of you should get off Facebook. Many of you should get rid of things that many of the many in the world would say is normal and okay to have because that is your trigger and that's where you keep going back to because well it's okay to have Facebook. But then you see the material that comes up on your feed and it puts you on a course of destruction. And then just a while later, you find yourself on your face before God and repentance again. But yet you never change your your behavior. You never bring an end to the circular pattern because you never take the step. And if you were really serious about being free, would you not take the step that's necessary to get rid of anything that would trigger you? into a stumbling block position. Next thing, and this is the last thing, last but not least, that really keeps me up at night is the lack of the preaching of the full gospel to our children. You know, I, you know, many of you, I don't know, you know, I'm, I may look like I'm getting older because I've got a beard, but I'm actually still really young. I'm still in my 20s. And, and um, you know, I grew up in this, I grew up in this uh, faith, in this world, there was something that happened to me. And that is that I realized later that I never received the full gospel. Please just remember to preach the gospel to the youth. And you know, there's this attitude of yeah, 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 we know that. Yeah, 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 we know that, right? There's this this idea of, oh, yeah, we, we all know what that is. And all, yeah, we all know to, to tell people that Jesus died for them. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about letting them really understand what that means. What does it mean that he died? Is that it? No, there's so much more to the full gospel. The fact that on that cross, he died not just for my sins, not just for your sins, but the entire world's sins were placed on his shoulders to the point where he was he was in being inflicted with that there on a very physical level, not just the, that which happened to him through the crucifixion, capital punishment, but that he bore the sins of the world, not just symbolically, but literally. And that means that you you were the one who deserved that. You were the one who should have been there. You're the one who should have died. But he died instead in your place. And he was the one who never, the least deserving, never deserved any of it. But yet he did it for you. He did it for me. And if it wasn't for that, there would be no way for us to even speak to God. There'd be no way for us to even be able to pray no way for us to have any hope to be raised from the dead one day and to be in any kind of relationship with our father. Without what Jesus, what Yeshua did, there is no relationship. And many people don't understand fully what he did in their heart of hearts. And so they don't in their heart of hearts understand how could it be that I could have a relationship with a holy God? Because everyone in their heart of hearts knows that they're wicked. There's unholiness and unjustness and things that they've done that isn't pure. And our youth and many of them are falling away because they feel in their deepest place of heart that I am too dirty. The things that were done against me, the things I've done against others, 
I'm too dirty to be in his presence. Because I don't understand the gospel, they can't be free to understand that they can be reconciled back to the Father. And so please, please preach the gospel to your children and live the gospel to your children. Let them not hear it alone. Let them see you preaching the gospel. Let them see you living the gospel. Let them see you praying for the sick, giving to the poor, looking after the orphan and the widow. Let them see you. Let them and and go with them. Go with your children when you go to the grocery store and say, "Hey, let's let's go pray for that 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 lady," or or let's go give some some money to this poor man. Engage with them so that their heart can be transformed as the love of Christ flows even through them and as their faith encourages you. But brothers and sisters, if we don't preach the gospel to our youth, how will they not fall away? You can preach them every Torah portion of the year and they could still not know who Yeshua is or why they are saved. What I needed wasn't another Torah portion. What I needed was to know Christ before any of that. And then I could see him in the Torah portion. Then I can see him in the rest of the Bible. But until that, until I encounter him, I need to know him. And then the youth's hearts will be reached with the rest of the scriptures that are the deeper things of scripture that are that are for those of mature hearts. But we have to ensure that when we have babies, we give them milk first and then solid food does come later. But don't think that just because you've got solid food, it may well fit you and you may well be able to chew it and digest it. But the children may not. And they may just die of hunger because you're trying to give solid food to a baby who doesn't even have teeth yet. On the other hand, what encourages me and what I see is a rising up of believers so on fire, so hungry and uncompromising for the Holy Spirit and the truth to see the Holy Spirit move in and through them, their children and their children's children, and to see the truth go forward. A people with such a love emanating in desire for unity in the body, in desire for doing the works that Christ not forgetting their first love, not taking their eyes off that first love that Christ brought to them, that first love of salvation, sharing him with others, a, a people who are rising up, who have more discernment than ever before, who are prayerfully considering all things and not jumping on the next internet bandwagon, which we see so often now. A people who is asking for wisdom from above and not just relying on their own understanding. Our own understandings is faulty. Our own minds fail us. But when we get the mind of Christ, he can truly give us freedom to understand the things that are happening all around us. Look to him, pray to him, let him fill you, let him change you and your family. Father, I pray for everyone who is listening to this that you would open their eyes, that you open their ears, that you would open their spiritual sight, Father, that they would see you for who you are and that they would be, Lord, that you would just put a fire in their hearts to run after spirit and run after truth, to know you deeper. In the name of Yeshua, amen. And I want to say a special thank you to all of our partners who made this teaching possible. I love you guys. Shalom.